Corbin and Corey are burning something. We good? <laughs> okay. Yeah, open a window or something. We're, we're recording. It's film like milk. Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's... Mm. Damn. That chat. <laughs> Whole milk. Skim milk. Medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? You hey, guys. Welcome back to Aged Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about movies that have uh, gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. And with you as ever is me, Paris Herbert-Taylor, and I have my wonderful, handsome, vivacious co-host, David Ooh, Rogers. Vivacious. I like that word. How's it, <laughs> how's it going, everybody? Um, so we have a great episode ahead. We have an amazing guest to introduce you guys to. Um, before we jump into the synopsis, I did want to share, David, you put it out into the universe that you wanted to start getting more engagement from our listeners. And guess what? We got an email from Ryan Himmel. Um, in regards to coming to America, David and I wondered if the portrayal of Eddie Murphy as a Jewish older man was offensive. And the word is in from Ryan's perspective, at least. He would say, speaking for himself, he did not find Eddie Murphy's portrayal offensive, nor was he offended. But it's just, for lack of a better word, odd. Yeah. So that's Ryan's take on it. Of, again, look, David and I are so excited to be engaging because, yeah. you know, we all have different opinions, and it's funny what you can notice. Um, so it popped out to him, but he wasn't offended. But it, yeah, it was like, he, oh, that's odd. He was basically like, yeah. in regards to this. Um, okay. So, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. He wasn't offended. I wonder if other people were. Mm -hmm. um, again, we're, we're open to chatting about it. But David – oh, I also have a little tidbit about Ryan that he shared with me because I said, thank you, I will include it in our podcast. His grandmother made the gloves for this movie interesting <laughs> so david without going much deeper into it what movie are we talking about we are talking about the film hook 1991 directed by steven spielberg and it is based off uh, original draft by jm barry nice so very interesting we'll get into the history of it but yeah yeah, but before we do that, we have to introduce our wonderful guest tonight. His name is Daniel Slater. He is joining us all the way from Toronto, so please excuse his Canadian-like internet. Uh, <laughs> Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I thought you were going to yeah. say, please excuse his Canadian accent, and I was about <laughs> to get super offended. I feel like Torontonian. you're in Toronto, I feel like Torontonians don't have a super strong... It depends on what we're doing. If we're playing hockey, it's there. You hear it. If we're at Tim Hortons, it's there. And then if we're around you guys, we try and blend in a little bit more. You guys, I'm fucking Australian, man. I mean, I feel like my accent gets really strong when I talk to my dad, when I get drunk, or when I'm extremely angry, so... And know. I'm from Wisconsin, so close to Canada. Yeah, we got some of that, for sure. Yeah. But Dan, you are a many talented human being. I was going to say writer director, but I know you also produce. I know you do many other things. Um, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about the film that you just shot in September, October of 2020. So a, a Corona Times film, but not about Corona. The movie's called The Family. And I believe the trailer is dropping this same day as this podcast. Yeah. Would you wouldn't you know it? We did it. Um, yeah, thanks for letting me talk about it a little. We uh, shot a feature last year right in the midst of COVID. Uh, we're finishing it up. I've been in post-production, which is just sitting right here where you see me for the last three, four months. 
So I haven't really even spoken to anybody else except for my editor and my colorist and my sound people. So it's really nice to get out here and talk about it. It's a, a fun thriller set in the late 1800s. It's a coming of age horror, if that's even a thing. Uh, we're really excited to show it to people. We have no dates or anything to even talk about. So obviously I'm early, but uh, come find us at uh, thefamily.film on Instagram or the Family West Film on Facebook and you'll be caught up to date and see all the pictures and see our awesome cast and all the people that made this movie with us. Hell yeah. And if you miss those socials, we'll say, we'll say them again at the end. But Dan, how did the movie happen? Like, how did it come about? Tell us about the process. You know, it's all of us make things here. It's kind of, you know, you're trying to get things made all over the place. You're pitching different things to different people. I happened to email somebody I ran into a lot at TIFF, you know, just thinking I we had caught up in a little while. I said, hey, we should grab a coffee. And he called me and he said, do you have any million dollar one location thrillers that we can shoot in six months? And I was like, absolutely I do. So I found this old dusty script and I kind of made it a little better and I sent it to him as quickly as possible. And he's like, yep, let's do it. Let's go make this movie. It's happening. And then COVID hit, which has got to be a podcast somewhere. And yeah. uh, we didn't think it was going to happen. And then it turned out, you know, once we all kind of figured out what it was, that our film just made so much sense because it was one location. It was six cast, no background, you know, simple. It just, uh, it worked out really well. So uh, kind of got fast-tracked. Really, the whole thing, even finishing it, is just just a little over a year. That's, That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. It must have been challenging making a film during corona times, especially a feature. Do you mind talking a little bit about, like, what the process was? Yeah, I mean, obviously for us, the most important thing was safety for everybody, uh, people feeling comfortable. And, you know... Once you get past the COVID checks and constantly saying how you feel and getting your temperature taken and wearing masks and wearing face shields if you're in a, a room with actors, it, it got kind of normal, to be honest. We all got comfortable, but always staying ready. Uh, there was some funny moments because of it. We had a few times where, you know, we rehearse a couple times and actors would wear masks and then we'd call action and they'd run out and they'd still be wearing their masks, which is really <laughs> funny when it's a really intense horror scene. Um, you know, I missed, I, I'm going to say, because I, I love the cast, they're all so nice, but I feel like I was always at a distance, and I'm a very, you know, hands-on director, I really like working with cast, I'm, I'm huggy, you know, like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm just there to amp everybody up, and I felt like I had to be, you know, a little further away, and a little, so I, I missed that, I can't wait to get everybody together, and watch this movie in a room together, and we haven't had a rap party yeah. yet, so I oh, can't no. wait. So how that. did you go about doing that same amping up without being touchy where you're just more vocal I just while you're shooting and so much and not <laughs> not in a bad way just you know yeah. if people are good it's a fuck yeah you know and they need mm -hmm. to know that i might just be 20 feet away but they could see me with my arms yeah up. oh yeah um yeah we just got used to it you know and the again they were everybody was great and really understood and was really really you know keeping everybody in mind keeping everybody's safety in mind so it's great to see that it was, it was I think at the time, especially September, it was when everybody was just getting back to work and we were all so excited to be there. And that's a great feeling on a movie that's mostly nights and in the wilderness and where you have pretty much no interior sets because even your interior sets are exterior and it was cold as fuck. So, I mean, <laughs> that it was, it was really good that everybody 
and then on a show and coming right into ours. I think it actually, yeah. It made they were it like, really, sweet. Yeah. You want me to be outside? That's fine. I'll do it. Yeah. I think, you know, <laughs> we, we got so... a sweet spot there. So I think we made yeah. it, might've benefited from it a bit. That's awesome. Um, and Dan, I know about this about you because Dan and I actually know each other personally from when I lived off in Canada, but you have recovered from something pretty huge that also was a bit of a challenge to think about while filming, right? Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. Coming into shooting the movie, I never talked about it too much, but, you know, I, leading into the movie, I was fighting uh, end-stage kidney disease, and uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do the movie. It was really, the timing was very close, very tight for me having to drop out, but, you know, my producing partner, Adam, was super supportive, and uh, the whole crew was very supportive of it. If I wasn't able to move as fast as everybody else, I ended up getting a, a transplant two weeks after the movie wrapped, which was wild because I needed to get like a little bit of it edited to get to my editor to kind of set my pace. So I, I, I got off the set and I was editing as fast as I could and I got it to her. <laughs> and then I spent a month in a hospital and then I came out uh -huh. and the movie was done. And that was great. So it was, you know, something kind of leading into doing a lot of these kind of things and people have been asking about. And I think it was important to talk about just because, you know, there's a lot of people kind of dealing with different disabilities and things that kind of could slow them down. And I think that sometimes, you know, the biggest worry for me when I was told was, how is this going to affect what I want to do with my life? Am I going to have to readjust? And I think as long as you're really open with all your friends and your family and the people you work with, you'll find that support and you'll figure out a way to do it. It's possible. It's just, you know, you got to put your energy where you need it and really consider your health and just think about it the whole way through. Yeah, that's pretty inspiring. You did all that yeah. when you were up against the wall and so many different things happening that you couldn't control and you still made your art and yeah, got everything poured, done. Yeah, poured the energy into the art. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and if anything, it helped, you know. It's like this kind of thing is what you realize is people really care about you and, and a film isn't that different, you know, especially directing. I've never directed anything on this scale before and to see, you know, 50 people all working their asses off for something that you wrote down on a page at some point it's similar you know like people just buy in and and uh, that's really exciting and I, I think that sometimes the blessing in something like this is that you start to notice those things a little bit more and take things, less things for granted so it was good totally. yeah. it worked out it's super inspiring and you know just big shout out and love to everybody that helped Dan bring his vision to life during this challenging time like I mean, you didn't do it alone, Dan. I know you're one of those people that loves to recognize the people that help him. So just, yeah, from everybody here at ALM, and by everybody, I mean me and David. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to the, the family crew, and we can't wait to see the trailer. Maybe we'll get to share it on our social as well. Yeah, cool. definitely. Can't wait to see it when it comes out as well. I'd love that. Yeah. And we do a special podcast. We'll get everybody up yeah. here, do it from the theater, <laughs> and you can tell me as the movie's playing how it's aging. Yes, so dumb. We, we can do so that. So dumb for that. This has aged so bad. 1800, more like 1890. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but so we are here to talk about a film that came out in our childhood. David, go ahead. Yes. I think it is your turn <laughs> to do this. Okay. So we zoom in on this guy, right? And he's more obsessed with work than he is with his family. It's definitely showing. He's in business, business guy. Um, everything is work, work, work. His son has baseball games he's missing that he promised to go to. He's neglecting his daughter, his wife, and everything's starting to boil up as we see them on a plane when they're going to London. He's a former orphan, and he's going to see 
the lady that took him in. He hadn't been there in 10 years. And we start to see a little bit of change happening. Something happens to his kids. They're taken in the middle of the night. And he has to turn things around and figure out, okay, what do I do now? Tinkerbell comes along, magically takes him off to Never Never Land. And he has to three days to turn around and fight for his kids to be who he once was and to remember who he was and what he's fighting for, what makes him happy. So he goes up against this, uh, this evil guy, Captain Hook. He finds himself, remembers who he is and you know what's important in life, fights for his kids, and he overcomes a bunch of obstacles along the way. And he saves his kids and, you know, they fly back home and live happily ever after. And that's Hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's quite a long movie, which is why there's a lot to say about it. I believe the runtime is 144 minutes. Is that correct? Sounds about right. Yeah. Did you feel that? It was long. Though. <laughs> I would say I felt it. it. Yes, yeah. I did. Dan, it was shocking Dan. just to see. And I think that's the first thing that jumped out at me. This is obviously an older movie because you can't make that movie for two hours and 20 minutes now. No chance. I just, I, yeah, I agree with you. Like when I put it on to start rewatching it for the podcast, I saw that end time and I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, this is going to be a two parter for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I definitely broke it up my first viewing this week. I uh, I was like, I can't do it. I can't. I have to hey, stop. Paris, had you seen it uh, previously? Oh, yeah. yeah. I loved this movie as a kid. I was very scared of certain parts, but okay. it's funny to watch it as an adult. Um, but let's yeah. jump into it. Speaking yeah. of that, so we'd all seen it. It's a Steven Spielberg movie, 1991. Guys, what do you think, David? I think you were going to talk a little bit about the history, the history. of Peter Pan. So, yeah, Peter Pan. Uh, the gentleman's author's name is J.M. Barry, and it was originally debuted, or Peter Pan was originally debuted as an infant in, I believe, a book called The Little White Bird. And it was a novel written by J.M. Barry for adults in 1902. And um, Peter Pan was only prominent in a few chapters. And since it got popular, they, you know, he wrote the play in 1904, Peter Pan, or The Boy Who Couldn't Grow Up. And then he eventually adapted the play into the novel Peter Pan and Wendy, which is the story that we all hear about today, the one Disney took over, and it's been remade multiple times. So um, the first introduction to audiences like Captain Hook and Wendy and Tinkerbell were in, um, you know, the Peter Pan and Wendy. So those weren't in the in the original. So in Barry's original draft, he actually depicted Pan as a villain kidnapping children from their beds. Captain Hook was only added later as a, a theatrical device to distract the audience as they were changing the set in the play. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But there's, if you look back in uh, Barry's history, there's some some darkness to how the story came about. It was somebody's kids that he met like in a park. He never had kids of his own. And they kind of came up with the story together as they, you know, as those kids were growing up. And he was originally a child snatcher is what you're telling me. He wasn't a child snatcher. Actually, this children's like that though. Well, (laughs) these, these kids, mom actually gave him, uh, when she passed away in her will, he, you know, became... Oh, he became the guardian. Oh, that's, that's yeah, really the guardian. Cute. I feel bad for saying that now. Hold on one second. 
I got this booty sweat down in Denae. Yeah. <laughs> we say that from Tropic Thunder every time. It's like a rule. And you crack a drink, Dan. It's a on good the, rule. On this podcast. Yeah. yeah. It's a great rule. It. But, um, but to Dan's point, there is people and historians that say, like, was this dude fucked up? Was he like a petty? Oh, and shit. That's, that's dark was, as yeah, fuck. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So why he was hanging around with these kids? Because he didn't have kids of his own. But the youngest, uh, when he was older, he said, no, he was more, like, asexual. He never had any you know negativity about him or looked at kids that way uh so actually one of the kids that grew up said like he wasn't like that but historians well say, I, like, I wonder maybe he was maybe he wasn't i wonder if that's why they aged him down because i think peter pan that we know him traditionally as like he's a teen right like he's Correct. a would we say he's like 15 I, I don't know the exact age but i think they sort of talk about it in hook so i didn't know if that was rooted in history but yeah, yeah i maybe, wonder if that's why they maybe younger i think he might be younger. Like, he's probably like, yeah, maybe 13. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 13. 13 yeah. Yeah. But um, um, Wendy or yeah, Wendy actually alludes to it. So before they go to the dinner, she's talking to um, Peter Pan, Robin Williams kids. Right. And she's telling them the story and the little daughter asks, are you really Wendy? And she's like, yeah, actually this stuff happens a long time ago. And our yes. neighbor, she says, J.M. Barry wrote these stories down and that was some 80 years ago so they give him a shout out in the movie which i never yeah. caught before until i looked into this so yeah. i thought that was interesting it's so interesting as well how children's stories can be reimagined by like something like disney and then that is the image that you have forever even if the source material was a totally different way like i studied little red riding hood in university and it's very interesting like the things that were encoded in the story before everything else yeah. like there is there They'll yeah, find ahead, things sorry, from, it'll be a much darker story sometimes, and they'll find that little moment. Because even when you think about it, if it's a, a Peter Pan who's flying around kidnapping kids, that's terrifying. That's way more terrifying than Captain Hook. So, yeah, it's crazy that Disney can find these little moments that are super marketable and kind of run with them. Because when you take it out of the fantasy sense, when if Neverland doesn't really exist, and it's a guy, to Dad's point, taking kids... Dressed you like that. Turn it Maybe, literal. Yeah, that's Neverland. A darker, that's a darker story. Never, never, Neverland is like never, never breathe again land. <laughs> exactly. And I think um, the, the rights became available like in 08, where people could take on their own projects with the story. And uh, there's a book that just came out called Hook. And I think that's a darker version where Peter mm. Pan is the villain. So I'm going to try to read that. The history, like with the actual film that they brought out is that they've set it forward in time. So now we're in the nineties, right? So this is like at the time, modern times, this is reimagining Peter. Like he left never Neverland so far. Like we don't know how. And yeah, this is his present day iteration. Obviously now it's 2021. So this movie is 30 years ago. So present day, 30 years ago was totally different, but let's talk about Peter that we meet. 19, 1991 Peter played by, my guy, Robin Williams. What is this dad like, you guys? Tell me. I mean, I love, I love 90s business Robin Williams, you know? <laughs> he is so good. That moment when he gets to take the call and his wife doesn't want him to and he just pulls the thing. He pulls the antenna on his old ass cell phone. It's so good. And it's just that, because he's, he's a good serious actor and I think that's what sells it, but there's still something so funny about it, even when he's not being funny. You know, he's got the, the yeah. gut, which I love. Physical. Yeah. Yeah. And to that, he's 
he's trying to be a serious businessman and he's also scared of everything. <laughs> he's scared of flying. He's scared of, you know, That's you flying out of the plane. Yeah, he, what? He's, he's not even good at the at the speech. He's like shaking for the speech. It's true. He's oh, not yeah, good yeah. at what he does. He's, he's, he stutters a little bit. Yeah. yeah, he like is making jokes about lawyers and he's so awkward. Yeah, he was, they actually had the sweat on his <laughs> yeah. forehead. But those jokes were hilarious. They were the, good. The, the writer the rats of Rats and those. lawyers. Yeah. 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 90s jokes were so wholesome. There was like no swear words, you know. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so he's this like serious businessman. I had another part that was so funny. Um he like skips out on his son's baseball game to do like a deal <laughs> and he gets out of this limo that he just oh like that massive car that he just parks at like some random curb and he's in like a full business suit and he just throws on a baseball hat like <laughs> total outfit change like yeah. ready for the baseball game so yeah, he sends yeah. his assistant anyway. to video it you know just yeah. too busy yep. 90s guy has an assistant no job other than just do whatever he needs it's great. I feel like there's so many 90s movies where kids just did not stand a chance with their no. dance. <laughs> <laughs> it was like dude you're you're not you're they're not playing with you well, it's, it's because oh have you got a big game or a dance or a play <laughs> yeah, yeah. your dad is I, not gonna be he there. ain't showing up if you, if, you were growing, if you grew up in the 90s your dad's not coming. But that's, I think that's, that's all the filmmakers, and I think that's a Steven Spielberg thing, is that he had that exact relate. You know, all the 50s dads were exactly like mm. that. So in mm-hmm. the 90s, all 90s dads are like 50s dads, you know, because they're just, yeah. you know, commenting When on one of his sons were born, they were talking about making this in the later 80s, I believe, and he said no because he didn't want to be hanging out with a bunch of kids when one of his kid sons was just born. So he actually Steven paused. Like that. Wow. Yeah, he actually paused the shooting. But um, to Peter Pan, there's a couple little hints of him. It's to me watching this today. It was him trying to reconnect that story of him remembering what he was, Peter Pan, right? So that instance where he's go, he's about to hit the elevator, and his counterpart or whatever, the other worker, pulls out the cell cell phone, and they have like the draw. Do you remember that part? Yeah. So, yeah, it's him, like, connecting, not being a little serious, playing around, playing games. And that's what they do in Never Neverland. Yeah. Then when he first goes to London and he closes the door and you see, like, the little hook on the latch, his Moira, his wife, yells, Peter, he turns around and he does the stand. Yes, he stands yeah. with, like the, that. with the hands on the hip. Yeah. So you start to get these little glimpses. Uh, he's starting to remember, like that house has a little bit of power over him, it's and he's starting to there. connect to it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's still in there. So I, I did on on his like, is he Peter Pan? His name is Peter Bannon. It couldn't possibly <laughs> be him. Um, on that, I was reading some articles, and it was like, did anyone for a second not know? Like they're like Peter, gr- Grandma Wendy. You're like, okay, I know where this is going. Like, no, did no it's, one? Thi- it still got me. I, I've seen this movie so many times, and when she says it, I'm like, oh. Peter Pan. It got me. I had chills. <laughs> so it works. Some people it works on. When I, I today as well, when they show that in the book, she turns the page and it shows the cartoon, you know, the redhead and the in the green. And I like raised my hand. I was like, Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. You guys are so funny. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so we meet Peter. He's a frazzled nineties dad. He can't make it to your big game. He's got kind of a <laughs> fucked up relationship with his kids because they're like, Daddy, pay attention to us and he's like, Fuck off, I'm selling <laughs> trades or whatever they did <laughs> whatever in the 90s he's doing, yeah. yeah whatever i bank mean business person yeah business he's like business. Business. right he knew business. all we knew about what he was doing was, was a five billion dollar deal and that's yeah. it five billion dollars in 1990 would have been like 
So I think he was an insurance salesman. Yeah, and right. something to do with yeah. owls. Lawyer, I don't know. But um, <laughs> owls. He's so mean to his wife. She's so tolerant. He's actually so mean to everybody around him. And in a way, I kind of felt like it was over the top. I don't know if you guys thought that. It's like, okay, we get it. He's a he's a mean, he's lost his way. So you felt that one part in this movie was over the top? Just that, that one <laughs> tiny thing. Well, he's no. A, he's a 90s dad. Like, okay. What else? What do so 90s far. dads do? I think it was pretty far for the entire movie. <laughs> Yeah. I just thought it was like, wow, okay, he's like, yeah. Maybe it was just the 90s dad thing, like, really shining through. But um, To Moira, Carolyn Goodall, she said, we only have a few years where the kids want to spend time with us, and then we're going to be the ones begging them. So I, I feel like she had a couple good points with her character and try to rein him yeah. in and, and pull him back from but being I also, the 90s asshole dad. I also do think um, she was very unobservant of the sexual chemistry between her grandmother and her husband. <laughs> David's making a face and be like, uh-huh. Yeah, we, I was we thinking like, that, right? uh, let's get into it. Cause uh, Wendy, old Wendy was trying to hit that. And to be honest, like Ro- Robin or sorry. Yeah. Peter, yeah, he- Peter looked for a second. Like, he was starting to remember something, he, and he was going to give her his thimble. He didn't not lean in, you know? Well, that's what I yeah. was going to say. I was with Dan. I was like, he didn't not like be like, Grandma, Wendy, what are you yeah. doing? He's like, oh, you know so, so we're doing this. I'm going to give you that thimble, girl. What's happening? <laughs> that moment. I don't know if I picked up on that when I watched this as a child. When you were younger? <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. But, I mean, they had that connection, because I don't know if it's late. Yeah, later on in the movie... It was her. She was thinking about I, w- I wore like some pink dress or something like that. Yeah, no, she and says he she she thought he was gonna like stop the wedding. Yeah, like you never showed up. And then later she yeah. was getting he was getting Which her. is so fucked up yeah. because I we you know, as we were discussing, like we think he could have been thirteen. Did she really think a thirteen year old boy that she met in a magical place was gonna burst into the church and stop her wedding? Like what? That's an awkward They got sure. a connection. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give it love. to her though. I think you know. I think Maggie Smith is so good in this role. So I'll, I'll give her credit that she sold it all. I wasn't you know as much as I could be in. I was in to the relationship. So I, I think it was like on her that she did a really good job with that. It was can I can I do an impression of myself when I was watching this and yes, uh, we were it, Maggie Maggie Smith came down the stairs. I literally was like damn how old is she because i swear to god I, no this is no shade i love her but she has been the same age this movie was in 1991 i just saw her in a movie she looks completely the same good for like, her yeah like no but it's just like you know she's meant to be so so old in this movie and do they do some know. prosthetics or age i don't think so bit, i think maybe. she just maybe I don't she just think so. I didn't feel like that. Been playing an old lady for a while. If, if they did, it's the one thing that didn't show out of all the prosthetics and stuff. So <laughs> stop. <laughs> don't jump no, in. Not but okay. anything. So we think the relationship between Wendy and Peter was a bit odd. Yeah, for you guys, I was here for it. I would have watched that because I know their history, and who am I to step in? Oh my God. Um, but and I don't think was it. The grandma? Yeah, she's Grandma Wendy. She's Grandma she's Wendy? Okay. Great Grandma Wendy to the little ones. To Moira? Or, oh, gotcha. No, gotcha. to the little ones. Okay. Um, okay, but also, not to like... 
like it's so weird. You know, he says, yeah, or they like insinuate that they've the Moira and him have known each other since they were kids, right? So, so he came back from Neville Neverland. He decided to stay. He's thirteen. The woman he used to love is forty. Doesn't isn't that like a mother son type of relationship now? Like if he doesn't remember as well, like she's raising him, or as his as her grandson. And I was it just must like, have oh, grown so into weird. that. At yeah, but I still point. think it's creepy that she looks at him like. Yeah, that's what I'm men. saying. Eventually, <laughs> you go, for... I'm taking care of this child. I should stop having feelings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he he forgot. She didn't. So she he eventually came back, and they showed that scene, and he's but like, he "No, would've... I can't. I don't know how to fly anymore." And he's like, I want to give her a kiss. And she said, no, like, don't do the same thing that you did to me, basically. And he said, no, I want to give her a real kiss. So, so she's a pedophile. Well, no, she, he wanted to, <laughs> Peter Pan wanted to give. Uh, no, her, I know, I know, I yeah, know. But yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. don't do it. Like, my ex is here. Give it and he's to so my teeth. ex is here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, my ex. Uh, uh, I got to put, I got to do my hair. Hold on, yeah, don't look at yeah, me. Yeah, uh, anyway, so that was. That was Wendy. I mean, Maggie Smith is incredible. And I think by the time he gets to like, okay, so by the time like Peter Pan stuff kind of happens to him, I think it's about like 30 minutes in. I didn't actually write down the exact time code, but like when he finally goes, it's like, it's pretty far into the movie. Like it takes a really long time for him to actually go to Never Neverland. To get to Never Neverland. Yeah. Did it stick out to you? And I've seen this movie probably 10, 15 times. Why did... Tinkerbell, take him straight to the pirates. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? You obviously said he forgot who he was, and you're just gonna drop him off in danger. What kind of friend are you? It wasn't a good plan. I, I was like, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> she dropped him off in the middle of a lion's den. It was like, all right, man, your kids are over there. I don't know what you're gonna do, but you should, you should figure it out. <laughs> Um, I did not notice that because I'm an idiot. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, she really did fuck up. I mean, like the tr- the tree where all the lost boys lived was only like five minutes away. Yeah, yeah. just <laughs> on the other side. Just let him let him get his feet down. You know, maybe, maybe figure it out. For a he would do worse with them first. Maybe he needed the warm up. You know, True. maybe see his kids. Yeah, just to remember. Yeah. But yeah, right, bad so... plan. He wasn't pulling off that pirate. For sure. No, which that scene was hilarious. I love it. So I, I want to say a fun fact right now. Go for it. Uh, okay, so you know the pirate that went to the boo box? Oh my God, I love this. That's Glenn Close. I know that. I thought it was Glenn yeah. Close. How fucking I fucking cool is said that? that to Scott. I was like, that. I go, I think that's Glenn Close. And he goes, no. I was yeah. like, yes, it is. So, that's crazy. That's Glenn Close. How did yeah. that happen? That's what I want to know. So part of uh, some of the stuff I read is that. The sets at Sony were so big and massive and everybody in Hollywood was talking about it. So people would just go show up to set. So I think it was maybe something like that. And she was like, yeah, what? like, let me be a pirate. <laughs> some some along those lines. But I thought it was super cool. I, I didn't even. Oh, my parents, so you saw it. I didn't no, know. No, I literally. And you know I what? I didn't it. look it up because I was like, also, she probably was way down. But I was like, I swear that's her. So that's awesome that you yeah. found that yeah, out. Gutless the pirate. The, I think is her name. Yeah. She, she I thought was I was hilarious. going crazy. That scene it was you, so wasn't good. it? And she goes, <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's so good. I did. I did. <laughs> the boo box. No, but no. so when he gets dropped in the pirate's den, we meet <laughs> his old nemesis, Hook, who is the 
title character of this film and doesn't appear until, you know, a good ways into the movie. So what do you guys think about Dustin Hoffman's hook? Like Dustin Hoffman in general or hook in no, general? No, well, like the whole character like that he put together. I, I think he's great in it, obviously. I think, you know, I had no idea that was Dustin Hoffman when I watched it as a child because I didn't know who that was. But I think he's so good. And it's, it's as you said, he's not really even in it, in it all that much. So in those kind of little moments, I think he brings actually a lot of depth to that character because it's such a weird portrayal of that. This pirate mm-hmm. who's smarter than mm-hmm. everybody else and it's kind of lonely and, you know, uses all these tennis lingo. It's, it's odd, and I like it. I'm for it. Yeah, I agree. It, you got a guy who, like you said, he's smarter than everybody, so he probably has no real competition other than Peter Pan. And what does he say? Like, death is the only adventure like left in life when he gets a little, you know, and we'll talk about him being a little suicidal, but I think this character adds so much to this movie and what he did with it and just being like a monster. He says, yeah, I was, I'm a lot bigger to a 10 year old and he's struggling with what he's still doing because he's bored in life. He talks about, talks to Smee how bored he is because he's out of place and he's, he's mad. He's, his hands gone and he just, you know, he wants, he's, he's set out on revenge. I agree. I think they kind of portray him as like being listless. Like he's, you know, when your greatest enemy leaves, like what do you have to fight against, right? So he's just kind of like laying around. So first of all, it's hilarious that Tink dropped him in the middle of the pirates. And then it's hilarious that he's like literally facing his enemy forever and ever, who is like greatly weakened because he doesn't know how to fight. And he's just like, yeah, go get trained up and come back. (laughs) (laughs) Like you could have just ended it right there. You could have just. Yeah, but. He was promising a war. And any good supervillain won't just end it right there. They want the game. They want, it's the sport of it. Bye-bye, Mr. Bond, as they slowly raise into the, yeah. I'll close this door and expect that everything goes to plan. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, I just thought that was funny that he, like, literally had him right there. And he's like, no, go and come back, and I'll be waiting. Because he's like, who is this guy that's in front of me? Yeah. This is not Peter Pan. And no. S- and Smee says, he's Peter Pan or I've got a dead man's dinghy. <laughs> I did not so, catch that. Yeah, oh. but I, and I love Smee's character, Bob Hoskins. So it was I just that number two to hook and just added so much to, you know, that duo. Yeah. He has a couple but, uh, of great lines. He is the one where he goes, Peter fucking flying Pan. <laughs> and you couldn't get away with that in a Disney movie now. I will say this of the film. So I think we arrive in Never Neverland, like, you know, I want to say it's around like the 30, 40 minute mark. And we go to the prostitutes and we see our first person of color in the whole film. Just this is me pointing it out. And then we sweep across the pirate deck and there's a couple of people of color in there. That was something that stood out to me in the first little bit of this film. Uh, Scott was walking past as I was watching it again. And he goes, oh, did that rich old lady only save white orphans? Because at like the dinner (laughs) that Peter's at, it's just all white people. Yeah. It's like, oh, boy. That stuck out to me a little bit as well. And I thought, you know, this movie to me is one of my favorites so i was just saying like oh you know it's, it's probably just the neighborhood or <laughs> or oh she left she left all the minority orphans in never neverland because she knew you know they, there's they better might, life they probably neverland. have a better life yeah uh, <laughs> okay they're, they're, they're. dog um <laughs> but now i just wanted to point that out there were a couple of 
uh, of color people of color in the pirates and in the prostitutes that was one in particular it's not a lot of representation in this no. movie and it just stuck out to me which is interesting but yeah, the weirder thing almost is because i think the lost boys there's actually you know it's actually pretty diverse quite a bit cast. Of diversity so it, it's almost like they had to make that choice consciously for the, especially for the dinner scene you know if, if you get both in both worlds it's, it's a little interesting yeah. Yeah, but you think you could do both in both worlds because if she took some kids from uh, Never Neverland and took them in, yeah, and you had such a diverse group with the no, Lost she only boys, left behind the minorities. That's why that's, they made up such a high percentage. Of- but that's what I'm getting at. So like, why? Yeah, you should have. Yeah. You know, you could have done it the other way where you took some of the the minority kids. Oh, it could have been equal. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So let, <laughs> let's let them some. And it, I feel like there was a lot of there was no girls in. As lost boys, right? But so there's no, no... just the boy. It's just lost but, boys. But there's there's female adults as some of the prostitutes Barely. on the uh, island. Just they're yeah. only prostitutes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so it's a lot of great yeah. roles. And for women. and Glenn Close with a beard. Also, <laughs> yeah. I, we don't want to forget her. <laughs> yeah. So no, there's adult women and pirates and mm-hmm. mermaids and lost boys, but there's no little girls at all. Yeah. Because. If you're a pirate and a prostitute and you have a baby, it's obviously it's gonna a be, boy, yeah, a pirate. XX chromosomes, yeah. I guess, or whatever. But it's a good thing I got this booty, booty sweat, sweat back in the name. I I thought I read a lot of articles that were criticizing the interpretation of Hook from Dustin Hoffman, saying that he was very like foppish and they could have gone like really deep with it. But I will say that I really like Dustin Hoffman in this role. I think it's fun. I think it's theatrical. I, I liked it. They're the perfect, you know, they have this great kind of back and forth. And because he's, as you said, he's a bit listless, but so is Peter. And I think they both see that in each other, that they need each other a little bit. I think even at the end, you know, Peter feels bad for him. So he's, I, I, they have this great connection, the two of them. I think they're both so, so good together. And then another character that is obviously so huge from the story is Tinkerbell mm-hmm. and she is played by Julia Roberts in this film a very beautiful young 20s Julia Roberts what did we think about Tinkerbell and Peter's relationship this is, it's the same thing right I mean it's kind of the exact same relationship as Wendy I mean I think this whole thing they have this reverse like Oedipus kind of thing going on because mm-hmm. she found him when he was a baby and then yeah he, like an infant like an infant, and then he got more proper size and then she was like you're cute damn i'm still an adult but damn yeah yeah i didn't see like, that I, I don't know how if they never age and he came to be 13 somehow in never never land right because he maybe kept taking summers off with like going to england so he, he grew up a little bit here and there so you know you could develop this relationship with the i guess a teenager maybe maybe tink is i man i don't know where i'm going with this i'm trying to i don't help. know i'm, I'm I, trying to make the connection okay think... but the more and more i think about it i'm like tink that's a little fucked up <laughs> no but i think you know they do show her aging so like Fairies obviously age different. Like, there's no rules of how people age. It's very confusing. Like, yeah. Hook hasn't aged, but he's somehow still an adult. The same. Yeah. Peter might be older than him at this point. Like, we don't know. True. But, yeah. And she has that scene where she makes the wish and she gets big and she has that uh, that gown on, I believe. Right. Great scene. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you're beautiful. And he closes that. They're about to kiss, and she he says, "I love Moira," 
and she's kind of heartbroken. And then she so turns I into felt... spiders and blows away or whatever she <laughs> yeah. turns into. I kind of felt for, for Tink at that of moment. Of course. Yeah. I felt for Tink too. I think we're supposed to, but it is weird when you start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you give her, I guess you give her a pass because she's a fairy and that doesn't exist. So, I mean, there's some sort of, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a different thing going on. I, I think she's really good in this role too. And I also had yeah. the biggest crush on her when I was six years old watching this movie so i give her a pass yeah she's got that million dollar smile yeah and she plays when she fakes like she's dying i love that she's got good comedic timing and yeah julia she's she's just awesome yeah i think waving her arm you know dead but waving her arm it's so funny (laughs) to have her be so physical and then robin is obviously such a physical actor like you kind of touched on it before with the pirate. Like, I fucking die laughing where it's like, drop your arm, turn your foot in. Like, he's just so good. True. And then he <laughs> yeah. switches the eye patch over when yeah. uh, oh, he's yeah. hooks getting that Glenn Close in the be- bearded Glenn Close. And he's yeah. like, I need a better view. Uh, when he's trying yeah. to do the R, and he's like, R, and he gets in the, with the guy, he's like, R, and he's like, good, how about you, R, you know, and they have that kind of <laughs> yeah. back. The, yeah. the one-liners in this movie are unreal. They are out of this world. They're so good. Okay, so then, yeah, so Tink, whatever, she puts him with the pirates, he gets, sees Hook, he goes to, he finds the Lost Boys. So now we've got the Lost Boys. There's a group of them. Some of them believe that it's him. There's a new guy in town, Rufio. He's the ruler now. Everybody sides with Rufio, and then it's like a slow turning of the tide. The kids, like, push on his face. And they're like, oh, there you are, Peter, like, pushing mm-hmm. his age. But let's talk about the Lost Boys. Did you guys think this was a fair representation from, like, the storybook type Peter Pan? I believe so. I thought those kids stole the show in a lot of the scenes. You were talking about Too Small, the one who is rubbing his face and saying, and he gets a smile and he says, there you are, Peter. So you got these kids and there's so many shots of them with the wonder in their eyes and the the belief in who Peter is. And they have this awesome scene with the uh, food fight when Peter starts to to buy in. He's like, you're doing it, Peter. You're doing it. I, I think... All the Lost Boys were, were great, great cast, and and they really elevated this film. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. what brings you back to being a kid and why it was so exciting because, you know, you, I think I at the age I was watching this, I think I was still kind of imagining things and using my imagination and the idea that you could hang out in this giant tree fort with no adults and do whatever you yeah. wanted and play basketball and skateboard, and, and it was so cool. But I agree, it's it's... It's those kind of moments of heart that they have, you know, when they pull back his face and like, and like those little moments where you're like, you really see it in them. And they're really good. Like the acting is so good from the kids. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. keeps this movie going for me for sure. I think the kids did a great job. Like it's so hard to work with kids and none. I didn't see anyone looking into the camera. I didn't see anyone like, yeah, being shit. But yeah, a, lot of, a lot of character in in the Lost Boys. Throughout. Okay, but so then they prepare Peter for this showdown right and they're training him and he gets his he gets his first happy thought at 70 minutes in i wrote down so it takes us 70 minutes until he's like really accepting that he's peter um and they train him and then they prepare for war which is what hook wanted all along right Mm -hmm. a great war my first problem with this is you are literally pitting children against adults um (laughs) and you are arming them with a chicken that can shit out eggs and um, like sticky balls with color on them, you know, and yeah. like little tacks. And then these adults have 
swords and guns. Like, yeah, but to the so, kids' credit, I mean, the adults, the pirates are quite dumb. Yes. They're, they're not but, super bright, and you never thought they were going to lose to the pirates. Yeah, the kids uh, are clever. They have armor I don't, made it, out of, like, bamboo. I mean, that, that I love armor, the armor looks bamboo. like shit. I yeah. love when he jumps through. That's great. That's how it should yep. happen. And it sticks to him. God, yeah. I don't know how they did yeah. that. Do you yeah. think that they? Do you think that that could? Is that an effective armor? Like, would you suggest people? people it's good. It's better. It's better than wearing some leaves. If you were fighting, <laughs> you know, sticky arrows, then definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. It's good. Um, thank God I got this booty sweat back into <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was my first problem. I was like, okay, cool. So you're literally raising a child army. I think I've seen a documentary about that. Um, <laughs> and then they get to the kids and fucking Rufio dies. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that, that was sad. Uh, I mean, they, I can't, you really won't see that probably in Disney movies, especially live action. I don't know what you guys think of, like nowadays, but... I kind of like that they put that in there. I think know, I think it. Disney has never shied away from people dying. I think that people is die. yeah, that yeah. is right there. That's what they do. And honestly, with I live think, action though too, or I know they do it. Everybody's got to somebody's got to die in their cartoon movies. Yeah. Animated, Does anybody but. die in Pirates of the Caribbean? They must. That's the, that's the other pirate movie. So yeah, but know. any any main characters? No, no children. Sure. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Rufio is like a, a main mo- character. Yeah, he's like a main character, and he's yeah. young, and it's like so tragic, and he dies because fucking Peter Pan turns his back on him for a second. And, and how like, much did we love Rufio when love. we were kids? Oh, and yeah. so you were heartbroken when yeah. he died. And you're that like, hurt oh, me. That was my guy. Yeah, me that and my hurt brothers me. loved Rufio. So to that, you know, I think that's a a good choice in the film because you're affecting your audience and you're, you, you, you invoke that. Oh my yeah, God. Like that was my guy. And I imagine and they, me. They okay. So you haven't read the movie. You don't know what it's about. So here's mm-hmm. my pitch meeting to you. Okay. So then this pirate stabs this kid in the stomach and he dies. And, that, and this happens about uh, an hour 40 into the film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an hour 40. But, like, hopefully you gave me a good enough pitch to lead up to that. Yeah, I think it's a way to work on your pitch. <laughs> you can't just jump straight into that. <laughs> like, tell, like tell, yeah, tell me about Tank and then Bank no. and then the grannies trying to smash. No, no, no. I just her. want to tell you about this one part where we stab a kid and he dies. Well, no, it's just, and it's like, it's, you're, you're pitching it wrong. It's that there's this guy and he's a busy businessman, you know, and then he goes home to his grandmother's who hasn't seen in a while and she's kind of hot. And they have a moment. What do you think? Oh, and a child dies. Yeah, child dies at the end. Stabbed in the chest, and he's like one of the characters. Yeah, and and then and then we never get a clear picture on when his funeral is, or like if they even go back for the body. They just (laughs) left him there. They just leave him. So you want to make the Um, movie longer? Yeah, (laughs) but (laughs) to their credit, you know, it is Never Never Land, and there's some some sort of idea with this movie. One of the kids says it at the end. That was a great game. So we see him die, I didn't, kind sorry, of. I'm so sorry. I did not realize this was the purge meets Peter Pan. With but his... do you see what I'm saying, though? So maybe, like, once everybody's eyes are shifted in a way, it's reset and nobody really died. I really Because like you don't see Hook's body and and the kid at the end. It, it was a I game. do like that, that was idea. A great, that was a great game. Yeah. All right. Reset. Let's let's play another one. That's a good theory. I like yeah. that. It makes me less sad that Rufio died. That did <laughs> that did hurt me. But did. there is a great standoff, and if you guys have time, 
I would like to say some of the uh, the disses that they say to each other. Oh, oh you yeah. mean Rufio and uh, yeah, Peter? Yeah, yeah. I just have to find We it. did okay, gloss so. over the whole middle part of this movie. The whole rivalry of Rufio and Peter Pan is amazing. Yeah. 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 Well, this is kind of tying into what David's saying. So they have like this whole standoff and they spit bars at each other and... <laughs> It's a, it's um, it's some insults, and I think it's like Peter Pan's make no sense, but they're kind of like thrown off by. Oh, oh you know. Was was this scene before or after uh, Rufio saying I'm the Pan, and he draws the line in the sand? Was that afterwards? This is after, yeah. yeah. The the food fight is after that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, so to Dan, what Dan was saying, they're going back and forth, and. Peter is just gaining a little bit more momentum, a little bit more men- momentum, winning over some of the more lost boys. And they're starting to recognize that is Peter. That is our Peter. So they get to this dinner and they're going at it. <laughs> and so some of the disses that uh, Rufio called Peter were paunchy sag bottom puke pot, hemorrhoidal suck navel, Boiled drifting, beef fart sniffing, bubble butt, slug slime sack of rat guts and cat vomit, and mung tongue. And then Peter started clapping back. He had some corny ones at first, of course. But he said, substitute <laughs> chemistry teacher, <laughs> math tutor, <laughs> which is a diss, I, I guess. Uh, uh, prison barber, nearsighted gynecologist, <laughs> you lewd, crude bag of pre-chewed food dude, and paramecium brain. So can they, we, they you, called somebody in a you, Disney movie nearsighted college. Can we, can we but just you just know. I want to know what that means. I want to know what he's insinuating. It means the I paramecium mean, brain. No, no, no obviously the, not. Short-sighted oh. gynecologist. The nearsighted gynecologist. He's got to look up at like it's a telescope. He's, he's got to like, get oh. really close. Is what he's implying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I can see what the problem is. That's why. That's why I really like love going to my pap smear. It's so fun Ooh. when they just get up in there and they're like, "Whoa, hello." Um, Who wrote? No, that? I mean, I was gonna say I feel like that was a writer's room, like sit down, throw down. What's the most stupid thing you can think of? How much yeah. did, do you think Robin Williams added anything to that? Like he's he's famous for just going right. So yeah, maybe, that, maybe. that's something that we should look into because that would be amazing if you just started going off the top of his head because if, if Disney's like, yeah, you can call him a near side of God kind of this because adults take this, their kids to this movie. Right. And that might be one thing. Adults like, wait, did he just say, but that would have gone over kids as head. Like that. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Kids yeah. aren't going to, kids are just going to make, Oh my God. Um, they didn't, it's a give, funny him a, word, yeah, yeah. They didn't give him a bangerang on that one. Or whatever. Yeah. Rufio and Robin have this rivalry. Dan, what else? Are, really we, are we shocked that Bangarang didn't become popular slang? <laughs> I'm, I'm tempted to bring it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think <laughs> I ever it used it in real life, and I don't know why. Well, I, I'm going to start using it now. Bangarang. <laughs> I think you got to say it more subtle, like a little more chill. Like, oh, shit, yeah, for sure, man. Bangarang. I, th- <laughs> anyway. I think you have to scream it <laughs> at the top of your lungs. <laughs> you got to, like, draw out the syllables? Like, bang Like, in what situation, Dan, are you using that where you're screaming it? <laughs> Did you do I that th- when you were filming? When some actor crushed it, you're like, "Fuck yeah, bangerang!" Yeah, that's what I said instead of checking the gate. <laughs> bangerang, guys, yeah. let's go to lunch. <laughs> yeah, I'm not shocked it didn't take off, but I will be slipping it into every conversation at this point right. uh, oh, moving okay. forward. So Rufio dies. I thought it was, I thought it was shit. Um, and so. then Peter takes his kids home and leaves every other kid behind. <laughs> Thoughts. <laughs> 
I, I'm going to go with David's theory that it's not real and that it's it's all a dream and it's Inception and it's what probably made Christopher Spielberg Nolan Inception. make Inception. And it's just it's just it's just for fun, right? It's just how he learned how to be a kid again. That's how he learned his I lesson. Mean... Get to your creativity. Tink says it mm. at the end. She said, "You will find me in between um, dreaming and when you're awake yeah. in that middle yeah. ground, basically." Also, what's the problem with being there? It's great there. Why would yeah, you? Yeah, I would. Why? I would kick it there. I'd vacation there for sure. Yeah, it says snowy England, where <laughs> they sorry, always keep the window open. <laughs> <laughs> you can be stolen from your bed at any moment i know you guys are like on this like dream it's a dream it's a whole dream but like it's pretty fucked up if we're thinking that this is a real place that you can get to it's pretty fucked up for an adult to leave behind a bunch of kids on an island with a bunch of pirates <laughs> then want to kill them so yeah i yeah. was like okay cool so i'm just gonna leave those guys yeah, gonna, yeah. gonna hang out. Um, yeah. but they they Got... left thud butt in charge so it's all good <laughs> Yeah, that kid. That kid. That, a new pan. that kid that I wrote down. I'm like, why did they have to make the fat black kid the bowling ball? Bowl? Like, because <laughs> of physics, I think. <laughs> more surface area to take out more pirates. It, it worked. Yeah, but to your, <laughs> but he got leader. He got the leadership role, right? Yeah, he really showed yeah. initiative with that. Yeah. I love clutching his legs up in the air. And the oh, I love that. That's ball. such a good '90s gag. You know, it's so good. I love the gags. I, I love that, but I think he, he had a really funny, I think it's, is, it, is it him that has the line when he shows up and he like falls through and he's in the thing and he's like, who's the shrub? You know, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's in the bushes. Great. Yeah. He goes, yeah, who's the shrub? I love and that. when they, when they shoot him off that, uh, what is it? The slingshot. slingshot. And some, one of the kids is like, he's going up, he's going up. Tubbo goes, he's coming down. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was my last point was that he kind of like abandons the orphans and then like, gee, I hope they're okay. I did have a couple things I wanted to talk about Never Never Land and mm. most specifically the mermaids. <laughs> I felt like there was an underlying thread of infidelity through this whole film Peter where it was like, <laughs> where Wendy was like, what's up? And then Tink was like, I've missed you so much. And then the mermaids were like smooching him. Uh, I was like, oh man, there's like, I wouldn't be super stoked if my significant other was yeah. having this kind of experience. And I thought it would be hilarious, like, if somebody did a skit, like, the mermaids are making out with them, and then you just see Moira sitting, like, in the water. <laughs> he turns, and she's like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? You don't need all that air. Yeah. You're fine. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> you don't He's like, you. no, I should sit here yeah, a little longer. I should make out with at least yeah. one more. There's yeah. a purple-haired one I was looking at. Yeah. yeah, Peter. Peter, your kids are still missing, and he's like, "One second, <laughs> your kids are being <laughs> pirates." Yeah, I enjoyed that a little too much. It wasn't just yeah. about survival. I think there's great <laughs> themes of that in this because I think this was made before children going missing was an issue. You know, kids were just a little disposable. So even with the cops, when they're just like, "Oh yeah, Phil." They'll probably come back. I forgot to mention the cops. Yeah. I forgot. I was gonna say that's aged like milk incredibly because now it's like, you know, cops will just like break in your door and shoot you in your bed dead. Yeah. You know, and and, uh, and, and they now they're like meh. Yeah. And I think in this instance, it was because Peter was an easy lover. Do Do we get that joke? <laughs> no. Because the cop, the head cop, was Phil Collins. 
Oh my god! Was Phil Collins? Yeah, that was Phil. That was Phil Collins. Shut up! It was not. Look at you got the IMDb right there. Look it up. Did you know that when you watched it though? Did you recognize Phil Collins? I okay. So as I was looking, I always pull up my IMDb right when I put my list together as I'm watching the film, and I and I'm like, good cop. Like, who is this cast? Who is this guy? And sure enough, it said Phil Collins. I'm like, wait a minute, Phil Collins isn't in this fucking movie. Sure enough, uh, the guy comes to do the report. It's Phil Collins, and he crushes it. You know, he's he was good. And the part, like you said, yeah, they're bad cops, but he alludes to, he says, knowing the, um, uh, you know, the stories that this family's background has. I just think he gave up a little too easily. They were like, someone has come into this house and scraped a yeah. line along here with yeah. something sharp, which could be a knife, oh, by the way. That, that terrifying And yeah. now your children are missing, and you're like, it's probably a prank. I, <laughs> They'll I, be I, back. Forget, I forget the quote, but yeah, he's saying like, because you guys are storytellers in this family. So he's like, we're just a little bit hesitant that, you know, I'm just Captain a little bit Hope hesitant in here and took yeah. your two kids. So I'm just he, a little hesitant to have my kids in yeah. the UK and be like, yeah. What do you think yeah. they said to the cops when they came back? They're fine. Like, we found them. They were here all they along. Probably, they flew in. They probably arrested <laughs> the <dad. laughs> Grandma Wendy and Toodles. <laughs> For, for making up stories. Oh my god, yeah. Toodles. Yeah. Oh my god, Toodles flies. God damn it, you lost your marbles. Toodles is high again. We gotta get this guy help. You guys can't just let him run around town like this. You can't just let him fly up in the sky up by the fucking big bed. Yeah. What was that? Come on. So how, how, do, how do we feel about the flying? Does that hold up? Does that feel... Where, where are we at with that? Oh. In terms of like CGI, sure, or... yeah. I mean, compared to let's say I Iron mean... Man. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, I mean it's it's aged a little bit on the technology side compared to compared to Iron Man. But I didn't mind it when you know Tink someone's, took someone's fire alarm was going off. Yeah, I don't know who <laughs> that is. It's not me. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a truck yeah, back. It could be. It could, could be a be. truck back now. <laughs> yeah. Please go on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I didn't mind it at all. There was one part on the CGI side that stuck out to me is when after Tink betrays him and drops him off with all the pirates, they, they go back to like um, overlooking. I, I think this might be my roommate cooking something. But they, <laughs> or trying to cook something. Trying to cook something, yeah. So they go and they give you an overview of Never Neverland, the whole island, right? They show where the boats, pirates' boats are, and they show where the Lost Boys are. And that, to me, like that CGI. Yeah. There's that one shot up. when he's being yeah. lifted after the, the mermaids and the making out, uh, when he's and being lifted show. up. He's, and it's he's lifted up. And at shaky. first I was like, where is that shell getting lifted up to? Like, And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah. fine. It's attached to a tree. But I was like, it's just going in the sky? Like, where? <laughs> it's exactly. the crane. It's the Neverland crane. And yeah. to get and to the point about infidelity, like, you don't just go in a mermaid's clam, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like of course more. He just got in there. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. That's the rule when you're on vacation. (laughs) At Thanksgiving, I host. We hosted, and Scott and my friend Wes like accidentally dripped turkey fat into the oven, and we didn't notice or whatever. Anyway, the whole thing caught on fire, and it was the worst thing ever. And um, but anyway, uh, the apartment was filled with black smoke, and I like deliberately closed the front door and was like, "Let's not call the fire department." And, like, didn't want like the neighbors. I just I was like really drunk, and I didn't want the neighbors to be like, "What are they doing?" So we almost died. Long story short. Oh, you you just closed everybody in. 
I yeah, yeah. We had to we had to jump on the. I know we have Friendsgiving every year. It's so fun. Yeah. Everybody yeah. gets really drunk. David, restart. <laughs> I I don't know. Like that was just one beep. <laughs> it's like, a solid, solitary. Like, ah, I smell a little bit more smoke. You gotta, <laughs> just a little bit, guys. <laughs> a little bit of little more smoke. If you could just clean this area. If you just... <laughs> oh my god. Talking about the clam, so yeah, you just you just don't get in another mermaid's clam. Moira is gonna be upset, right? right? I like uh, I like that. Moira as she is should now be a, a mermaid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Moment. Because well, she's she, saying that she, in Hook, you're either be. a prostitute or a mermaid or a Tinkerbell. Yeah, and that's the option. And you can't be a kid. Yeah. So hang on, yeah. hang on, hang on. As a woman, here are your options. You are wife that is left behind and cheated on in Never Never Land. <laughs> you are old horny grandma. You are a fairy, a mermaid, or a prostitute. Those are your choices. Yeah. Just what? A, I, I yeah. It's just, what a, what I a rich bad. world. Because you got the opportunity to have some other <laughs> like cute, funny little girls in yeah. the lost in the Lost Boys tribe. But I guess I mean, if Disney's sticking to the Peter Pan story, if it is, you know, called they Lost know, Boys in there. If they make you know, this again, the, there'll be Lost Boys. But what? For sure. But why are why are only boys orphans? Right? Because everybody I mean, wants a girl. Maybe. Maybe that's... Maybe girls um, left out. I think... Uh, what were we going to say? If we made this again, there would be lost girls, you think? I think make so. make it more inclusive? For sure. Well, I, I think it'd be nice, too. You know, as I said, you know, growing up, you're watching these kids, and you're like, I just want to be these kids. I just want to live yeah. like them. Because they like, get to throw colorful food I, at I each other. It's so fun. And, and have, you know, rap battles with my friends and... And I think that, you know, having some lost girls running around would be great, too. And so girls can look to them and say, hey, I could be a bad kid, too. You know? Yeah. Would you want to see a remake of this movie? Yeah, I, I'm for remakes in general. I, I Yeah, I would do it. I don't yeah. mind remakes. I think they're I, I fun. Wouldn't, you wouldn't I do wouldn't, it? I wouldn't want to see this. I would want to see something different. You know who just, I would want to play, make Peter? It, make a different movie. I would want Donald Glover to play Peter Pan. I think that would be fucking amazing. He's such a physical actor as well. True, but is he old enough yet? I guess. But I mean, it doesn't. I guess he doesn't have to be like. True. You know. But he had to have. He has. He has to be old enough to forget. If you're right. remaking this. Well, I guess I thought he could Donald be Glover beard Donald Glover in the world, and then go back, and he could lose the beard, and then you'd buy it for sure. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, so we're developing this now, right? Yeah, yeah. hey, yeah. I'm in. TM. All right, cool. Lost, so lost Girls could, with uh, Donald Glover. I'll play Shmi. Okay. Yes. I'll play yes. Hook. Uh, you know, whatever, Dan, whatever you want to cast me as. If I'm better be as Shmi or if I'm better as Hook, you just let me know. I would love uh, to see I'll, your interpretation I'll, as, as Shmi. I just want I'll to see read that. For both. Yeah, great. <laughs> Shmi, Shmi, so she can't get away how of how great a good character that is. Okay, so yeah, the infidelity, um, the Lost Boys, and then he goes home and he's like suddenly still got his like youthful like you know, and he throws his phone out the window. So you know he's serious. He's not a bad '90s dad anymore. He's found his fun. Yeah. But he also looks to Wendy and he's like. Oh, I remember. Yeah. And she's like, where were no. you? And he smooches her so hard and he's so engaged and he loves Moira. That's Moira. He, but yeah, the, but then the yeah. Wendy, he's like, hey, girl. I oh, see, true, I true. Uh, but he, he kissed Moira like she was a mermaid, you know? Mm. He's, he's getting some passion back in his life and that relationship, which was neglected a little bit. And I, I love to see that. It, it was a nice well, ending it, because of the mermaids. 
<laughs> they did it. It was all them. Um, the statue. So you get that scene with Shmi, and he lands, uh, and Shmi is like cleaning up the street, mm-hmm. and Peter Pan is actually under the Peter Pan statue. Mm. Yeah, which is um, I forget what it's located in Kingsington Garden in London. Kensington. Kensington. Yeah. yeah, and I've actually I've seen that. Um, I went and saw it when I was there because I love this oh. movie so much. I looked oh. up where it was and I went to that that park and uh, and nice. saw the statue, the Peter Pan statue. Yeah. It's um it's a cute ending. I like it, but I did I was I was writing notes and I was like, wait, he just left all those kids there cuz for some reason I thought he brought them back with him cuz you know, Toodles was like obviously rescued. So I was like, oh, maybe he's going to bring them. Nope, nope, he's going to leave them there on the island. Because yeah. you get old if you leave. I just don't know why anybody would leave. <laughs> I, I, I think we fully disagree on this. It's better there. I, I, I concur. Uh, no jobs. No, there's pirates. They got probably good food and stuff. All you got to do is you stick on your side of the island and you fight a couple pirates. Maybe you lose a couple of your buddies. They get shot or killed <laughs> yeah. by a pirate. But that's that's just life, baby. Uh, for the most part, you're chilling. You know, you okay, got, but you got a fresh. You probably got beaches. Man. You know what? You, you know what they didn't talk about in Hook, but they kind of mentioned it. And in the book, it's big. And in the Disney movie, it's big. Um, there's a whole other group and a whole other thing with Indians, they call yeah. them. Yeah. And they mention them. I think I think Hook mentions them. Those lost boys and those Indians, but we never meet them. Smee actually says, why don't oh, we go me? kill some Indians? And wow. Yeah, that stuck out a little bit. And Hook goes, no, I don't feel like killing any Indians. Or he says, I'm sick of killing Indians and I'm sick of killing lost boys. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think even in 1991, they were like, let's not do that. Yeah. Yeah, so and I mean, and we didn't uh, talk about it too much, but uh, Hook was suicidal for a second there. Yeah, yeah, he did. He held, yeah. it, held his gun to his head, and then he wanted Smee to talk him down. So that was that was a little bit. Darker and I think side. I think he's meant to be like not mentally so well, you know, because he's like when his wig gets taken and he's like kind of falling mm-hmm. apart. He's definitely a man in deterioration. A little bit of. You feel bad for him, you know? yeah. yeah. And he's got the issue with clocks, and one of the that's, narratives. Oh, that's I read, PTSD. Exactly. I'm like, hey, yeah. And these little shits. Like, <laughs> these. Uh, some of the stuff I read said croc- the crocodile signifies time throughout the movie, mm. and just Peter Pan stories in general. And then Captain Hook, uh, like, signified death, something that Peter Pan was always trying to elude and run away from, for, so gro- not growing old and dying. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's a great movie, guys. It's a it's a long movie, um, an iconic movie. I read that uh, on this website, Den of Greek, that at uh, the Lincoln premiere, somebody asked Steven Spielberg if he liked Hook, and he said, "I want to see Hook again. I still don't like the movie." That's what he was quoted as saying. Interesting. So Steven Spielberg, I don't think has been, I, I mean, he could have obviously changed his mind since then or, you know, had growth or change of heart. But like, it's interesting that like he is a little embarrassed of this movie or he was. Yeah. I Because I, I think it's a cult, it I think it's a cult classic. You know? It is, but I don't know if it did well initially. It took a little mm. while, I think. It didn't hit. It made. I mean, after its theatrical release, I read that it made three hundred million dollars. Yeah. But yeah, worldwide, it did over three hundred. But it was it was made for seventy million dollars. So we don't know what metric they measure like success by, you know. And they went over budget on that, and he says mm. it was his fault because of all the all the art 
that they put into this movie and all the uh, the set design was just amazing. Mm. All the live effects mm-hmm. were amazing. Like uh, Dan was saying with the the vest and making thud butt a bowling ball, all that stuff was super cool. And as a kid, you just love seeing every little detail they put into this movie. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that though? Going, I think it was forty days over a seventy day shoot, and he was like, "Yeah, I was, I was moving a little slow." And that, oh, that was his excuse. God. That'd be great. I, I wish. Yeah. Um, I think this movie had like such a stellar cast. Like, uh, did you guys realize that Gwyneth Paltrow also had a quick cameo? She was young uh, Wendy, wasn't she? Or young, young Moira. Moira. Yeah. 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 And she, no, I'm slipping another fun fact in there. She is Steven Spielberg's uh, mm-hmm. like godfather or some family friend of them. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So she, he, they were coming back from watching Silence of the Lamb as a, as their families were coming back from seeing that movie. And he said, like, oh, you kind of look like, or sorry, Moira. So we're going to, I want to put you as, as young Moira. Yeah, really good casting, too. Well, what do you think, guys? Do you have any other points to discuss? I do have a couple. Um, fun facts. Fun facts, yeah. Uh, let's see here. So, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow was connected. Um, Carrie Fisher actually wrote a little bit for mm. Tinkerbell's character. Interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, there, there was a different director. Nick Castle was supposed to, was slated to do this, but uh, they paid him off 500 grand not to direct it, and they wanted Spielberg to take it over. I, wow. I feel like that is a Spielberg thing, just because I was listening to your episode on Catch Me If You Can, and it feels like Spielberg will develop something, go, I don't want to do it, and then, like a couple years later, go, yeah, I'll I'll do it, and give me that back. <laughs> and he, and they're like, yeah, of course, yeah. you're Steven Spielberg. Yeah you, yeah, you take it, you take it. Yeah, Michael Jackson was Spielberg's first choice for the lead. I of saw that Peter today. That's crazy. Pan, not aged well, and not. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. not in this different no. podcast. No, oh my <laughs> god, is... yeah, different. That's the part two. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, he Spielberg told him like, "Hey man, this is about a lawyer, so like an older Peter Pan and a lawyer." So Mike was like, "Yeah, of course, I don't want to do that. I just want to play with the kids." So, <laughs> so um, he actually they actually said that he paid a doctor, Michael Jackson did, to put a curse on Spielberg um, because he <laughs> he resented that he get he didn't get to do it. Yeah, which so, clearly was... worked because we never heard from him again. <laughs> <laughs> It was, yeah. it was it was a backfired curse. Yeah. yeah so wow. That is that that is a fun fact. I think that is yeah. crazy. I just, that <laughs> oh my God, would have this, been so this... bad. Even just besides the awfulness of that, just you know, on an acting mm-hmm. level, would have been so bad. No, don't kill him. If don't there's a parallel, him. if there are like parallel universes, <laughs> that movie exi- this movie exists with Michael Jackson as lead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. As we all know, a movie is not made by one person. Dan, you just went through this. You just made a film and it's coming out and it took a lot of people. So we always do a little shout out for the, someone from the crew. David, who have you got? Um, Dan, you can go first just in case I, I don't want to steal your thunder in case I picked somebody. Yeah, I, I was actually kind of feeling the same. I, I, feel, I was worried that everybody picked the same thing. Well, I'm gonna no. pick it anyway. There's so there's so many people. Well, I'm just so I'm gonna give it out to the production designer uh, Norman Garwood, just because what what a set is like. It's like a Disney ride. It's so fun. It's so ridiculous. 
I don't even know if you get to make that set anymore. It's so colorful. Um, so it's such a great job there. And I think he actually died last year. So this, this is to him. You know? yeah. I can't Thank see the you. We see you and we appreciate you. Yeah. Definitely appreciate you. Okay, David. Yeah, so um, I'm glad Dan went first because I was just going to say, yeah, everybody that worked uh, in the art department and set design. Nice. Um, just because I was just so amazed watching this again and seeing all the little details, things I was picking up watching this, you know, in my my adult brain, adult mind, and just the level of detail and how everything like how fun that would be to act. I kept thinking yeah. like that. How fun I, if I could act and be an actor in this set, in this world that they built for them. So that was amazing. And then I got to give it up to my guy, Robin Williams, who's yes. given me so much joy in my life. So yeah. rest in peace. Hopefully he's flying around the universe somewhere. But um, yeah, man, just cheers to you. Miss you and, uh, you know, watching you and all, everything yeah. you've, you've put out. I miss him too. There, he was so influential. Is there anybody else in the world that could have done this part that way? Nope. Nope. No, no not even a chance. Amazing. It's like the, no. that line he hits of goofy and ridiculous and serious and <laughs> mm-hmm. it hits your emotions is unbelievable. His yeah. physical comedy is like just such a gift to us all. Like I, he can just move in a way and I like fucking Absolutely. laugh, you know? Yeah. I chose... Dante Basco, who plays Rufio. Ah. I can't, couldn't get over how much that hurt me as a child. I mean, Dante has gone on to do some other things. He was in uh, a movie called Ragdoll, another little short called Making Peace. It looks like he's doing stuff, but he has mainly been in like some TV stuff like Drunk Histories and Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures. But you guys know what the life of an actor is. So yeah. he's got gaps, but he's probably doing... A bunch of cool things, but for everyone that worked on this film, we see you and we appreciate you. Definitely appreciate you. But now is the time that you tell me if you think this film has aged like milk. Dan, you are our guest. Go. What do you think? I think it's obvious by my glowing everything about this movie <laughs> that it has. I I love this movie, Greg. This is like a this is one of those. This is the one. This is the movie I rented a million times. You know, right. as opposed to buying it, because I don't know, my parents had no long-term investment strategies. But uh, it was, it's just so good. And then I honestly didn't think it would hold up to what I imagined it to be. And it does. I think it's it's funny. There was things I, I, that caught me that were su- a surprise. Um, it is heartwarming. It's very fun, uh, I think, fully. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. David? I also do not think this age is like milk. I love this movie so much growing up watching it with my brothers. I remember being in college and I found out this uh, this young lady in my class, Katie, also loved this mo- movie as much as I did. It was crushing on her super hard, right? So <laughs> to my is. girlfriend now, don't be jealous. You know, she's married and uh, has, has a kid and one on the way. But there's just so much um about this movie that i love and and cherish and it's cast and everybody you know i could watch this you know once a week and i'm, I'm gonna be smiling so yeah. i love this movie and i'm glad we watched it me too yeah i would say i mean again the representation police over here like i would have loved to see some more uh minority orphans that she saved and not just be like her own proud boys version where she's just raising up a white people army (laughs) proud wendy (laughs) but apart from that yes i do think it is a beautiful film still it still holds up there's 
funny parts without being offensive. I think I would let my kids watch it if I had any. I think it's still like a great fun movie. So respect to everyone involved. I know at the time that it came out, uh, Steven Spielberg was coming off Indiana Jones and The Lost Crusade. And uh, this wasn't as well received as his previous film. So I think at the time it was like, oh, fuck. But I'm so glad this movie exists, to be honest. But Dan, it's been such a pleasure having you on our podcast. Thank you for your insight. And yeah, again, for having me, you know, I'm going to say this, but I'm a fan of this podcast. I've been binge listening to it since you told me it existed. And I do love it. It's so funny. And I just, you know, I I think we all need some nostalgia in our lives. It's so fun to go back and re-remember things, even the bad ones. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate it's not that hurting you, anybody. No, I appreciate usually. that you guys are doing this. So uh, thanks so much yeah. for having me. Yeah, We'd love to have you back at some point. Yeah, when the film's coming out. But yeah, just so everybody has it at the top and at the bottom of the episode, how can they connect with the family and with you? Yeah, so it's the family. You can find us on Instagram at thefamily.film. You can find us on Facebook at the family West Film. And uh, you can find me on Instagram, Machete Dan T.O. I know, I, I know. And uh, yeah, look us up. We'll we'll be we'll be coming up probably end of the year. I'm doing our festival run before that, so come find us if you want to watch the exact opposite movie as what we just watched. <laughs> we do, uh, Paris. You know, Paris, you'll love this movie. It's it's. We need the balance. Not scary uh, at all. Okay, good. Because I'm like a horror wuss. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm joking. You should watch this. It's awful. You, you, you'll <laughs> oh, be you'll no. be so scared. I can watch it, but like you just have to send me the script beforehand so I can read it. Because for me, like the scary stuff, like sometimes if I'm watching something tense, I'll just Google what happens in the episode. And Scott's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just reading what happens in the episode. He's like, just watch it. I'm like, no, I need to know if something scary is about to happen. Yeah. It's like a high anxiety thing. I have friends that get it. But um, yes, I think this movie was beautiful and we're happy to have you. And... We're excited to see what happens for you guys next. You mentioned that there's two movies maybe on the horizon for 2022. Yeah, we actually, we're doing something that's a, a little bit more similar to Hug. We have this really fun coming of age, stand by me, hunt for the wilder people, kids saving Sasquatch in, uh, in uh, the forest. So that's, I think, our next thing that we're doing. Uh, get back to my uh, roots of uh, sappy, nostalgic movies that make you miss being a kid. So that'd be fun. That's awesome. And do you think we can convince you to come down to Los Angeles once the uh, the virus is uh, quelled? You know, you know, I would be there if not for this. I mean, you know, all of us, we would all be everywhere else, right? So <laughs> I, I miss it. I, I miss you guys. Like, I miss, there's so many friends in LA, and I, I miss being there. And you know, we used to go at least twice a year just to say yeah. hi. I used to say it was business trips, but I did no business. I just <laughs> hung out at beaches and played volleyball and went to Cabo. So. You know, I can't wait for that again. Well, we can't wait to have you in person and hopefully interview you about your next movie. Um, But yeah, again, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Um, And David, I hope that you check your fridge. And make sure it's not spoiled. (laughs) Make sure that milk is fresh. Spoiled milk is spoiled. I don't know. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Great times. Uh, Please email us at age like milk podcast at gmail.com you can find us on twitter uh facebook and instagram uh yeah thank you thank you and close